This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bike Radar's Tech Talk podcast series, where we try and get fairly geeky about a particular topic within, at the moment, mountain biking, though we will be doing a road bike tech talk series in the future. I'm Tom Marvin, tech head on Bike Radar, and we also have Seb Stott here, who's our resident sort of guru on all things tech. Uh, so today we're going to talk about weight uh, and how heavy your bike is, and the way the weight is distributed and the impacts of the weight in various places on the bike and how it performs or how it impacts on the performance and feel of the bike. Yeah, so um, we've tested, uh, we test a lot of bikes and everyone, what everyone wants to know in the comments is how much does it weigh? Obviously, we, we usually say that in the review, if it's a proper review, but... Um, Sometimes I forget. <laughs> yeah, but um, what we usually try and do is, is weigh the bike straight away because that's, you know, a really important number to a lot of people. But I think it's often misunderstood just how much or how little it affects the ride and also how it's not always necessarily a bad thing to have weight in certain areas and in certain situations it's not necessarily a bad thing um, but also how the weight is distributed is is quite important too so it's not quite as simple as saying oh this bike weighs 30.1 pounds and yeah it's um if, if there's a bit more to it than that okay and obviously we're probably going to look at it from a slightly more trail enduro-y focus, but yeah, definitely. I think, I think I think what we're going to say will be relevant to, uh, to pretty much any mountain bike discipline. Okay, um, that's good then. Yeah. Well, we'll try. We'll, well, see. we'll try. Yeah, we'll... it could be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Very sorry. For um, so yeah, how should we start? So the most obvious thing to talk about is climbing. Mm-hmm. So if you have a heavier bike going to be harder to go uphill at a certain speed it's going to take more power from your legs to go uphill at, at the same speed um that's that's fairly obvious but it's perhaps not if you look at the maths mm-hmm. and the physics it's it's maybe not as big a deal as people perhaps think mm-hmm. so for example the difference between um there are a few bikes that we've tested that have a carbon version and an alloy version but yeah. with identical spec and generally, the difference in weight is about 500 grams for the frame for a kind of trail bike, full suspension trail bike, yeah. comparing aluminium and, and uh, carbon fiber. Um, very rough numbers, but I think that's a good rule of thumb. Um, if you add to that maybe carbon wheels, carbon cranks, carbon handlebars, if you, if you try and just throw money at the problem to save mm-hmm. weight from a kind of typical um, reasonably entry-level or mid-price trail bike, you're maybe looking at saving a kilogram. Yeah. So maybe a, a, a low-end trail enduro bike might weigh, let's say, 15 kilograms, whereas the high-end version of that same bike costing maybe 2,000 pounds more might weigh 14 kilograms. And there'd be other differences as well mm-hmm. in those two bikes. But 
if you just throw money at the problem, you might save a kilogram, which is a quite a big percentage of the bike. You know, one fifteenth is quite a lot of of weight to save. But if you include the rider, mm-hmm. so obviously it depends on the weight of the rider. But um, take me as an example. I weigh about eighty five kilograms. So if you add fifteen kilograms to that, that's hundred kilograms. It makes the the maths really easy. So that's one percent of the total weight. So the total amount of weight that needs to be lifted up the hill has only gone down by one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at best, you're you you would save about one percent of your power. So to go at the same speed, or you might go roughly one percent faster with the same power output, which I think is is maybe not that significant when you consider how big a deal weight is to people. You know, if if a bike weighs over a certain threshold, you get a lot of comments being like, oh, any bike over X amount of kilograms yeah. is not worth considering to me. Could could um, there be an element to that, though, that the bikes that tend to be heavier maybe have a slightly more gravity focus and therefore, you know, there's a, there's a lot of yeah, um, there are permutations lot- within the argument of, of what really matters. Yeah, there are, there's a lot of, of correlation between a heavier bike is probably likely to have heavier... Uh, slower rolling resistance tires, higher rolling resistance tires, which will make a probably a much bigger difference mm. to climbing speed in most situations. It's likely to have more suspension travel, which will sap more of your energy through pedal bob, through the, the movement of the suspension as you as you pedal. Um, and it takes a lot, a fair bit of energy to do that, to cycle the suspension up and down as you pedal. Um, so there are there are correlate there are, there are kind of correlations between bikes. So if you, you ride a cross country bike, and you ride an enduro bike, and you think, oh, the cross country bike feels much more nippy and fast uphill, that's probably not primarily because it's lighter, mm-hmm. although that does help. Um, it's probably primarily because the tires have much less rolling resistance, so you have much, you know, f- less of your power is wasted in the tires, and more of it is left to, to power push you, you uphill. push you uphill exactly. Also, yeah, same with the suspension. Less suspension, Bob, more power available to go uphill. Um, but weight as of itself is maybe not as big a deal as some people think. I think, it, would it be fair to say, though, that there is, I know we're just talking about climbing at the moment, so maybe this is more relevant to when we're talking about descending or or just riding along the flat, but the the feel of the bike underneath you is in like the maybe it's more of a psychological thing but if you you know if you took two bikes that weighed very different but had very similar characteristics in terms of suspension performance and tire rolling resistance all that sort of thing a lighter bike because you are in effect used to carrying your body weight you notice changes that are external to your own body weights a little bit more um possibly um i think i think that might be true when it comes to if you're climbing out the saddle and throwing the bike yeah. from side to side, perhaps the inertia of the bike mm-hmm. and literally from, from moving it from side to side all the time comes into play much mm-hmm. more. Um, but if you're kind of just spinning away, like, yeah. like Suspension kind of steady state, out, just... not, not, really excel- not really accelerating much, just going up a hill, yeah. you're looking at quite a small percentage. And then there are other things like rolling resistance and air resistance, which come into play and all things being equal, they won't be affected by that extra weight. Mm. So um, that means that the percentage difference in the amount of power will be smaller than that roughly 1% from that one kilogram of extra mass. Um, Because only some of your power is going into going uphill. Some Mm. of it is going into rolling resistance, air resistance. So as a percentage of your power being used, um, it's actually even smaller than that 1%. 
Um, so I think, yeah, my, my, my main point about this is, is that, um, the weight of the bike is not, um, perhaps as significant as some people imagine when it comes to climbing speed. And there are perhaps bigger factors such as suspension efficiency, yeah. uh, tire rolling resistance, et cetera, and even drivetrain efficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, is it worth sort of thinking when talking about climbing, you know, things like tire weight and that rotational energy, yeah. or is that, that comes, I guess, into acceleration? So when it comes to accelerating, it becomes more complicated because there's a difference between the mass that is non-rotating. So the rider, the frame, the handlebars, et cetera, all the non-rotating parts and the wheels, Mm -hmm. which are both moving forwards, but also rotating. Uh, And particularly the outside of the wheels. So it basically comes down to the rims and the tires. Um, Because they are spinning as well as moving forwards when a wheel rolls, Basically, the if you go through the physics, it works out that the amount of energy required to accelerate a rim or a tire on the outside of the wheel is roughly double okay. the energy required to to accelerate the same amount of weight on the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why lighter wheels um, are, are often touted as a, a really good way to make your bike accelerate faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think possibly in some people's heads, this is exaggerated because I I recently did a a group test of wheels. So uh, 14 wheel sets from like 350 quid to well over two grand. And the difference in weight between the lightest and the heaviest wheel set was about 400 grams. So that's comparing a pretty light carbon Enduro wheel to a really heavy one. Uh, And I, I kind of thought I couldn't really feel much difference in the acceleration. So mm-hmm. I, I did the maths and worked out that even though that extra mass counts more, and even if you assumed that all of that extra weight, that extra 400 grams was all, all in, in the rim, all in the rim, so it had maximum effect on acceleration. Mm-hmm. Even if you assume that, the vast majority of the inertia or the resistance to acceleration is in the rider mm-hmm. because the rider is so much heavier than the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked out that if that 400 grams was all inside the rims, then the effect on acceleration would be roughly 0.8%. Right. That's, yeah, very little. And that's comparing a very light to a very heavy rim uh, wheel. Yeah. And assuming worst case scenario, it's all distributed in the rim. And if you think about that, that's if you wanted to measure that. So let's say you had a device that could measure acceleration with complete accuracy. Mm-hmm. You'd also need a device to measure the power, your power output, yeah. to make sure that was identical each time. And as far as I know, there's no power meter on the market that's accurate enough to within read within. Within 8%. Yeah, mo- most of them are like plus or minus 2%. So even if you wanted to measure it, you probably couldn't with mm-hmm. with convert, you know, with an off-the-shelf power meter. Um, so so the idea that you can feel the difference, I'm, I'm very skeptical of. I, I think I certainly can't feel the difference. Um, if you can feel the difference, then maybe you should have my job. I think there is, well, yeah, I guess it, it does come down very much to, though, that looking at the overall picture. Mm. Because, again, I, I do think you can, uh, bikes that have lighter wheel and tire, tire packages feel. Yes. So so you said wheel and tire. Yeah. But lighter, like we were saying earlier, a lighter bike, like a cross-country bike, mm. will tend to have lighter tires. Totally, yeah, exactly, which, yeah. 
also counts towards rolling inertia, but more significantly, will have less rolling resistance. Yeah. So if your tires are robbing you of, let's say, 100 watts of power mm -hmm. through rolling resistance, mm -hmm. then you switch to, switch to some cross-country tires, which have thinner casing, harder compound, shorter tread pattern, mm -hmm. and they might only rob you of 50 watts, yeah. which means you have another 50 watts to go yeah, into yeah. acceleration, which could be a huge percentage. Um, but the percentages... is a tiny in terms of rotational inertia with like wheels that are on the market is is really quite small and this then is why the argument then is that weight on climbs is a fairly minimal thing to worry about it's more about the actual physical attributes of the tire especially yeah and and acceleration there is a bit more to it with with rotational inertia but i don't think you should get too bogged down in worrying about that. Mm -hmm. I think it's um, like things like rolling resistance, for example, uh, quite aside from thinking about the rider and how much power the rider can produce and how much the rider weighs. Quite aside from that, just things like mechanical drag in your drivetrain, like what chain lube you're using will probably make more difference to acceleration and climbing speed. Because uh, different chain lubes um, can make a few percentage points difference in power transmitted to the rear wheel, which will correlate to a few percentage points difference in acceleration. So you're already talking about a bigger difference than than the the lightest and the heaviest of those wheels that I tested. Interesting. Uh, but that's not often discussed. You know, pe people in comments are often saying, well, how much does this bike weigh? They're not often saying, which chain loop did you use with that bike? Mm. <laughs> um, and that's before you get into what if the chain is is not lubricated very well at all? What if it's dry? What if it's dirty? These things have a much bigger effect on acceleration. Cumulatively. Yeah, on, on, on climbing speed, yeah. So that's acceleration. Yeah. Uh, there's also unsprung weight. Mm -hmm. So this is the uh, the mass. Unsprung mass is a more correct term. It's the, the mass of the wheel and the suspension components that have to move out of the way with a bump. So when you hit a bump, the wheel, you want the frame to remain isolated. Uh, yeah, as, as much as possible. And you want the wheel to move up and out the way as quickly as possible. And the lighter the wheel is, the less mass it has, mm -hmm. the easier it is for it to move out of the way and the less energy you will lose on it on every bump. And the less of that bump energy will be transmitted to the rider. And that gives a smoother, faster, more efficient, more comfortable, more controlled yes. ride. And this is much harder to quantify mathematically. I think we'd have to do some kind of experiments on this, which would be a really interesting feature to do in the, in the future, possibly. But um, yeah, so in theory, a, a lighter wheel will mean you can roll faster over bumps and get less vibration through the handlebars, mm -hmm. essentially. And similarly, this is, so we said at the start that there are certain cases where having more weight on the frame might be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I did a, a little experiment a few years ago where we put lead weights on the frame of bikes. So about three kilograms on the frame. And we did back-to-back -back runs of the same track. And while the results were inconclusive in terms of, is it faster? Mm -hmm. um, I certainly don't think anyone was significantly slower with, okay. with three kilograms of lead on their frame. This is downhill, of course, mm -hmm. uh, if I didn't mention that already. Um, but yeah, it was a track with lots of lots of jumps and turns, and you know you had to move the bike and weave it in between trees and and through ruts and things. And yet the heavier bikes were, if anything, slightly faster, but really 
it was inconclusive. Okay. But from from a field perspective, it was so much smoother. It was so much comfort more comfortable to mm -hmm. ride at similar speeds, if not slightly faster, on a bike that had lead on it. Because of this sprung to unsprung ratio. Yeah, exactly. So so the uh, the energy that's transmitted through the suspension to the frame, uh, it's not so much about the sprung to unsprung mass ratio. Okay. So that I think it's more about the ratio of the, the mass of the frame, uh, the, the sprung mass of the bicycle. So the sprung mass is the, the weight that's supported by the suspension. Mm -hmm. So the frame, the handlebars. The stuff that's isolated from the ground. Yes, by the suspension. It's the ratio of that mass to the rider's mass. Okay, so the non-riders... The, the rider is sprung mass. It's sprung. Yeah. Uh, and so is the frame, but the frame is very, fairly light. Um, so the vast majority of the sprung mass is the rider. So if you add three kilograms of lead to the frame, you probably almost double the sprung mass of the bicycle. So you decrease the ratio of the sprung mass, which is the rider. Mm -hmm. And it's that sprung mass is what has the inertia, uh, which is necessary to force the, the suspension to compress. So when you hit a bump, the wheel wants to move up and out the way. Yeah. And the lighter it is, the faster it will be able to respond because it has less inertia. But then there will be a force transmitted through the suspension to the sprung mass, to the frame and the rider. And if there's more inertia in the frame, so if you add three kilograms to the frame, you almost double the inertia of the frame, Yeah, uh, which will mean that more of that inertia is provided by the frame, which is rigidly connected to the suspension units. Mm -hmm. Whereas the rider is quite loosely connected to the, to the frame through wrists and, yeah. and feet. It's quite a loose connection. Um, so if more of that inertia which is required to get that suspension moving, to force it to move, is provided by the frame, the rigid, the rigid frame, then there'll be less um, of that force will be transmitted to the rider. So less of the inertia is provided by the rider and a higher proportion of that inertia is provided by the frame. Um, so that's why it felt so much smoother. And uh, an even more extreme example that we're quite familiar with is with e-bikes. Because an e-bike has uh, probably about up to 10 kilograms more sprung mass than a conventional enduro bike, a similar enduro bike. It's, yeah. You know, uh, e-bikes weigh as much as 24, 25 kilograms in some yeah. cases. And that extra weight is basically the frame. Uh, sorry. The, the motor and the battery. The motor, the battery, and the kind of, uh, the of strengthened frame to cope with that. Uh, the suspension components tend to be quite similar. Tires tend to be fairly similar. Um but they, they ride so smoothly. Yeah. And you can really pump the suspension really hard. You can wind on the low-speed compression. Mm -hmm. um, and it still feels incredibly comfortable and smooth over those bumps because the frame is so inert that it... That it and because the frame is rigidly connected mm -hmm. to the suspension components, it kind of forces the, the suspension to start moving um, before as much of that force is transmitted to your hands and, and feet. Uh, so we notice this all the time with e-bikes yeah. that they are just so much smoother, and and people have suggested in the past that e-bikes are faster uh, downhill than conventional bikes, even with the motor turned off. Certainly, you you feel that that confidence and that calmness and the solidity yeah. of an e-bike, and I've certainly barreled into rough, rocky enduro tracks, feeling far more confident 
on an e-bike yeah than i have on on even like 170 mil enduro bikes yeah yeah um and yeah e-bikes are less maneuverable because they weigh so much more it's a bit harder to bunny hop them a bit harder to Mm -hmm. sort of flick them around and i don't know about you but i personally find them a bit less fun to ride on really technical terrain yeah totally yeah even though they're more comfortable if you're just battering down something rough and fast more confident more com- yeah but less yeah because of that agility they're less fun to ride maybe yeah i i think so um but uh but the the main point is that you know it's not all bad i think from a racing perspective if you're talking about going downhill over really mm. rough terrain as fast as you can and having hand strength left to hold on at the end having a heavier frame is not necessarily a bad thing in all cases. So that leads into my sort of next question then was why is it that, um, you know, if you're looking at the downhill bikes, World Cup downhill bikes, there is still, maybe it's not, it's obviously not as much as in the cross country world, but there's still, you know, you've got carbon frames, carbon bars, you know, there's a lot of things built there to reduce overall um, weight where they come. Why, why are we not seeing, I know, did Chris Porter play with weights on downhill bikes? Why are we not seeing this a bit more? Yeah, Chris Porter, who, um, if you're familiar with our tech stuff, you may have heard of him. He's, um, oh, how do you describe him? He's a very... Um, he's got ideas. He's a, Yeah, he's an opinionated guy. He's got lots of ideas about bikes and how they should be designed. Mm. He's really pushed for longer and slacker geometry, which he's been pushing for that for years and has been to some extent vindicated by the way the industry has gone. But um, he has done a lot of experimenting with putting weight on his bike and he even puts weight on his trail bike, which he pedals uphill, like lead weights inside the the steerer of the fork and what have you. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to do that. Mm. From the evidence I've seen, I, I don't think it's worth it if you're having to pedal up. But if, if you're racing World Cup downhill, I don't know why more people don't experiment with it, to be honest. Um, I think that the Santa Cruz Syndicate possibly did some off-season testing based on one of their videos that they put out. I don't think that many people have really experimented with it, but some some racers have said, I think Greg Menard was interviewed and said, he's not fussed about how much his bike weighed. Yeah, uh, Jared Graves had a similar thing. Um, so these kind of gravity, if you're, if you're into downhill, I don't think, I think some of the racers are getting to the point where they're not sure if they want their bike to be any lighter. To be super light, yeah. Um, Maybe excluding the wheels and tires to some extent. Yeah. Assuming though that there's the strength and reliability they can get from the lightness. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I think in, um, if you're about just about racing downhill as fast as you can, I, I think there's possibly something in it, Mm -hmm. possibly something in going heavier, but I don't think it's something that many people have, have really experimented with. I think it goes so against, Conventional um, wisdom. Conventional wisdom and and, yeah. and kind of um, basic sort of, um, what's the word, kind of instinct. Yeah. Um, Do you but, think there's... But you never know. It may be the next thing that bike, you know, they've done the wheel size thing. They've done mm-hmm. geometry is, is pretty mature now. Maybe they'll start to think about that in future. Do you think the distribution of the weight around the bike makes much of a difference? We, we've talked obviously about sprung and unsprung and keeping, you know, mm swing arms and all this sort of stuff as light as possible but you know if if we're talking about keeping um you know maybe adding weights here and there do you think it matters where you add the weight do you want it down by the bb to keep the weight low and central could you add it to the handlebars to get the fork feeling better maybe i I don't know 
Um, I think that having it lower down makes the bike more maneuverable. Because when the bike moves side to side, it's got an arc and it's yeah, exactly. so thing. Weight higher up is move further to move it. Yeah, so the inertia of the bike to move side to side is less if the if the weight is low down. Mm. So that means it's it's easier to bank from a left to right mm. corner in quick succession. It's also easier to manual if the weight is low down. I rode Chris Porter's bike. It was a double XL Geometron. He's he's since moved to I think an extra large or even a large, so he's kind of come back a bit from mm. the edge of geometry. But anyway, it had lead in the steerer tube and it had lead on the down tube near the front okay. because he wanted to force the fork to move um, sooner mm-hmm. when it hit a bump. So he had a lot of weight concentrated around the front of the bike to maximise the sensitivity of the fork and the grip on the front wheel. But it was a pig to manual. It turned really well. Yeah. It had a massive wheelbase, but in, in tight corners, I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But to manual, it was hopeless. And, and to kind of lift the front wheel over rocks and roots and to kind of pump through the terrain, it was it was hopeless. I mean, could that also be a thing because it was an extra large geometron? Which... Extra, yes, extra, extra longest, extra, extra I think. Large, yeah. I uh, mean, so 1,400 wheelbase. That's not a bike that's ever going to be particularly easy to... No, it's not what... It wouldn't be my ideal pump track bike, <laughs> shall we say. But um, yeah, I don't think the lead in the front of the bike really helped. Mm-hmm. But we know from riding e-bikes that the distribution of the mass is important. Like e-bikes are trying to get the weight as low down yeah. and Lapierre did this in... In, for, for a while they've mm. been using custom batteries to get the weight as low and central as possible because basically it makes the bike easier to manual uh, also if you have the weight lower down and more central it will mean the bike is slightly less prone to pitching mm-hmm. under braking and when you hit bumps so yeah lower down and central is, is probably the way to go in my opinion but for maximum fork sensitivity maybe putting a bit further forward is good but I mean, this is such a new area. Like, it's basically one person who's experimented yeah. with adding weight to bikes. E-bike, e- aside from e-bikes, uh, where companies like Lapierre have experimented with different battery positions. But yeah, it's it's a new thing. It's a new area to explore. Um, but I think the bottom line is, I'm definitely not adding weight to my trail bike anytime no. soon. If I was going to do uplifts or race World Cup downhill on really rough stuff, on really rough fast track, like somewhere like Mont Saint Anne, where there's flat out, really rough sections, and your hands are going to be cooked by the end, mm. yeah, I would. I think I would definitely experiment, experiment with weights yeah. there. Practice day. Um, and the other thing, practical advice from this quite theoretical conversation, um, aside from don't spend two thousand pounds on a set of wheels, mm-hmm. uh, the other practical advice would be. If you can put your water on your frame Do or so. your tube or your pump, like nowadays I always have a big bottle of water in a tube pump, if possible, multi-tool on my frame because it will improve the suspension performance. Yeah. And it'll mean I've got less weight on my back, which is causing me more fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And that's where, you know, Spesh, Trek, they've got those SWAT things. Almost every bike, you know, like people joke about it in comments about, oh, has this latest Enduro bike got bottle mounts or it's not Enduro if it doesn't. There is genuine benefit to having it on your bike. Yeah. I mean, not not having to always rely on a rucksack is, is Makes really nice. It's nice, less yeah. sweaty. The rucksack moves around. The rucksacks aren't great if you can avoid it. But even if you are taking a rucksack, it's still better to have 
as much of the weight as possible on the bike and as little as possible on your body. I think that's the main, people talk about sprung to unsprung mass. And I think for like cars, that's a really important number. For, but for a bicycle, I think it's more about how much of this sprung mass is on the bike and how much is on your body. As a ratio. As a ratio. And I think that's the main number. And I think maximizing the mass on the bike and mi- and minimizing the amount on your body is is a good thing if if possible. Cool. Have we got anything else we want to sort of cover in the whole weight topic? Are you a happy man? No, I think I've had my spiel. Cool. Okay, well, um, yeah, that was our Tech Talk podcast on on weight. We've done quite a few podcasts now about, well, about tech stuff. So we've done fork dampers, fork springs. We've done wheels and tyres. We've done drivetrains. Yeah. Linkage forks. Linkage fork forks. Offset. So have a look on on Bike Radar and on, obviously, sort of where you're getting your podcasts from because you can find all of those in there. Yeah, because we've been doing podcasts for a wee while now and, uh, yeah, they're getting more popular. But I think some of the, f- the early ones have not had quite as many views. So if you, if you like what we're doing, have a look through and see if there's more you want to listen to. And also get in touch with ideas for podcasts, anything you'd like us to discuss, road bikes, mountain bikes, whatever. And uh, let us know all your feedback is welcome. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.